Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. This is the last in our series on freedom from traps. And if you've been in the services, you know that we went through this, I think, number eight in the series. It's our last one. So as we review, we have Psalm 124, 7 and 8. We probably know this, uh, these verses by memory already, but it's there in your notes. If you would, just follow along with me. It says, our soul has escaped. What escaped? Our soul, where does fear grip you? In your soul, where is that? Between your ears, your mind, your will, and emotions. That's where fear tries to come and get a hold of us. Fear is often primarily thoughts that are raging in your head about things that may never even take place. I, just for the fun of it, I Googled online and said, how to overcome fear. And man, you, you talk about some crazy antidotes for fear. I'm, I, I mean, it just made me laugh. But anyhow, I'm glad for the truth because the truth sets you free. And uh, this is truth. This will set you free. This has worked throughout the centuries, and it will absolutely, what I'm sharing this morning will work in your life. I promise you. It will work. So our soul has escaped as what? A bird. Again, the bird was used because it is a picture of freedom, three dimensions. As a bird from the snare of the fowlers, the snare is broken, doesn't work anymore. Listen, when God sets you free from fear, it doesn't work anymore. Fear doesn't work anymore in your life. It used to work in your life. You used to have a fear of this thing, but it no, you no longer have a fear of it. There's a lot of fears in the world today. Some more surface, some deep-rooted. You can have surface fears and you can have deep-rooted fears, but either way, God sets you free from fear. Again, we are not designed to live in fear. We're designed to live in faith. The just shall live by faith. Again, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. It doesn't say the just shall live by fear. Live by fear, you're crippled. You're in bondage. You're shackled. You hold back. You don't go forward. God designed you with forward gears, not backward gears, forward gears. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Our help is where? In the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He made heaven and earth. That means he's stronger than any fear we might have in our life. So number one, understand that fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7, I love this verse. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's underlined there in your notes, fear is a spirit. That's really good to know. That's foundational because you can't outthink fear. A lot of the things when I Googled it were all things to do in the mental realm. But as long as you're fighting it on a mental realm, you're not going to win a lasting victory because it's a spirit. But if you fight it on the spiritual realm with the spiritual tools we talk about today, you will defeat that thing and it will run from you. It will no longer visit your place. Sometimes you've got to be persistent with it, but you can have absolute victory over fear in your life. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody has this acronym that they came up with, that fear is false evidence appearing real. It's a good acronym. Now, when we give into fear, a couple things happen. Number one, we lose our power. So if you're filling in the blanks, the word is power. You lose your power. Go with me to Exodus chapter 14 if you have your Bibles, and let's read about a time when this happened to the children of Israel. They lost their power. They'd come out of Egypt. They're on their way out. God had done a lot of miracles and demonstrated his power. He showed them absolutely that he was with them, 
God's power was there with them, and they were going out of Egypt. They'd been crying to God for a deliverer. Moses was raised up, and he was delivering them, and they're on their way. And as they're marching out towards the promised land, they hit the Red Sea. Behind them, the Egyptian army's chasing them now. Egyptian army, they're good fighters. They've got all these chariots. The chariots were like the tanks of the day. Tanks are coming after them. These guys aren't fighters. They were slaves. They were brick makers. They weren't, they weren't experienced warriors. And as they have this water in front of them, they got a rock, Pyahiroth on one side, Migdal on the other. They're cornered. They're trapped. They're trapped. And in this trap, they look back and they see this approaching Egyptian army. There's literally millions of them. Egypt wants them back. This is their, these are their slaves. These are the ones who build their cities. These are the ones who work for them, and they want them back, and so they're chasing them. And as they see this Egyptian army approaching them, fear grips them because they got nowhere to go. they got a wall in front of them, a wall on either side, and it looks like it's their last day. We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 9. Now, they'd left with boldness, but that boldness soon changes to fear. Verse 9, so the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pihiroth before baal Savon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. Would you say with me this morning, very afraid? They're very afraid. Fear hits them hard. Sometimes in our life, fear hits us hard. They're very afraid. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have, we so de- Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. What's the first thing they lose? They lose their power. You know what they say? Did you bring us out here to die? Israelites had three options at that point. They could surrender, put up the white flag, and say, hey, we surrender. They could march them back and make slaves out of them. Or they could say, let's turn around and fight them. They'd fight on their own strength. They're no match for a trained Egyptian army. They, can't, they know they can't fight them. The only other option is forward over the barrier through the power of God. And sometimes those are our options. How many know God's with us? If God be with us, who can be against us? Those are their options. But they lost their power because fear gripped them. When fear grips you, you lose your power. When I was in high school, we had a pretty good basketball team. And uh, we, we won our area, we won our division, and, and uh, we, were, we were on a roll. And I remember one day, we got to play in the university stadium. And uh, we walked into that stadium now, we didn't have glass backboards, guys. We had the wooden backboards. And our gyms, some of the gyms we played in were so small that you had to keep your feet underneath the bench because if you put your feet out, they'd be over the line and into the court. So those are the kind of gyms that we played in those little prairie towns. And then I remember the day our coach took us, and we were in the University of Lethbridge. Wow, big times. And we walked out there, and we looked around. And the bleachers just seemed like a mountain and the glass backboards. And, oh, man, what if I can't shoot on a glass backboard? And everything looked bigger. And we were just like, all of a sudden, we just got overwhelmed. And fear began to take us. Like, oh, I don't know about this. We're used to playing these little gyms, but we can't compete in this league. 
And kind of like that scene or that movie, Who you, Who's Yours? The, the coach reassures him that this, the rim's actually the same size. He, he takes the tape. It's still 10 feet up there. You guys, it's the same dimensions. Different environment, but same dimension. Why? Because fear was robbing them of their power to play in that scenario. Fear had crept in for these children of Israel, and it was absolutely paralyzing them. So when fear hits, you lose your power in your job, in your marriage, or wherever it is in life. But fear sucks the power out of your life. Number two, what else do you lose? You lose our love. Exodus 14, 11, and 12, it says, look what you've done to us. Us. Didn't we tell you before we left that this would happen? We told you to leave us alone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter, it says, love does not demand its own. Love is not irritable. Keeps no record of when it's been wronged. When fear grips, it's all about you. One of the ways to overcome fear is to walk in love. And we'll get to that in a bit. But when fear hits, it's all about you. You can't see the need of your wife. You can't see the needs of your kids. You can't see the needs of others in your life. It all becomes about you. And right now, as this army's approaching, it's like, what did you do to us? Moses, it's all about them. Instead of not seeking other people's help or helping other people. When we're afraid, what do we do? We accuse others, we excuse ourselves, and we run from responsibility. That's a sign of fear. When people are accusing others, making excuses for themselves, at the root of that is fear. Then thirdly, what do we lose when fear hits? We lose a sound mind. You know what they said? It would be better to be slaves in Egypt than to die here in the desert. They had spent, folks, 400 years in Egypt as slaves, crying out to God, God, get us out of here. This hurts. We don't want to be here. We don't want our kids to be here. 400 years. And now they're caught in this place and so they're not thinking straight. And when fear hits, we lose our sound thinking. And this is what happened to those children of Israel. So how do we respond? What's the antidote against faith is our response. So how should we respond to it? Let's read on. In verse 13 in the Message Bible, it says this, Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. A lot of times God says, don't be afraid. I don't know how many times it's in the Bible, depending on what translation you read, but a lot of times it says, fear not, don't be afraid, fear not. This is what he said to Joshua, don't be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous. Now, courage is not the absence of fear. John Wayne, the great theologian, once said <laughs> that courage is seeing fear and saddling up anyhow. Because you, you never reach a place where there is no fear. It's what you do in the presence of fear, the decisions that you make there. Joshua was afraid. But God says, don't be afraid. Make a decision right now in this moment. Be courageous. So here they are. Moses is talking to them. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. I've underlined this in your Bible or in your handout. Watch God. Number one way to respond with faith is take our eyes of what we fear and watch God. As long as you keep your eyes peeled and focus on what you're afraid of, it'll just grip you more and more. But if you, if you watch God, well, I can't see God. How would, I don't see God. Well, where is God? No. You watch his word. You look for him. 
You put your eyes on what he said. Listen to him. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is a muscle. And you could be listening and hearing the wrong voices, listening to what the enemy shows you. Or you can say, no, no, no. I have a choice. I have a volition. I choose to hear what God says. I choose to look at what God's showing me. You're showing me that this is where my marriage is going to end up. You're showing me where my children are going to end up. But I want to show you what God says where they're going to end up. This is where I choose to look. This is what I choose to listen to. So Moses encouraging him, that great leader, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Folks, sometimes, like it says in Galatians, when it talks about the armor of God, it says, having done all, stand. Maybe that's some of you this morning. You said, I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've read. I've gone to church. I've gone to my life group. I've done everything I know to do. What do I do now? Stand. And that's not a stand like, ooh. That's a stand, a military stance, where your, your feet are shoulder width apart, and it's like, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm standing. Keep my eye on God, and I'm not moving. I don't know what else to do, but I'm not looking at you. I'm keeping my eyes on God. I set my eyes on him, the author and the finisher of my faith. If my God's with me, who can be against me? I will stand and I will watch. God will deliver me. So you stand firm. Stand firm. Watch God for Do his work. Everybody say his work. His work. He's working on your behalf. Like we said earlier in the series, you have the big guy on your side. God's on your side. Man, when he shows up, the bullies just move over. They just leave. He's doing his work, working his salvation for you today. And then I love this part, Moses. I, I just get a chuckle when I, when I read this. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. You know, sometimes what we need to do is we need to look over our, our right shoulder. We need to look over our left shoulder. Because the last time we're going to see that stinking fear, we just took a look at it. Now we're going forward. He says, take a good look. You're not going to see that fear again. We're moving forward. Psalm 56, 3, it says, but when I am afraid, what? What do I do? I get a bottle of Jack Daniels. I get some BC Bud. I, uh, I go shopping. I watch TV. No, 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 I put my trust in you. What do we do when we're afraid? We put our trust in him. What's trust? Trust is faith. I trust you, God, when I'm afraid. I like Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, there's nothing to fear. This out of the Amplified. For I am what? With you. God is with you. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, God is with you? Just in case they weren't sure. God is with you. Do not look around you in terror. Again, where are you looking at? What are you looking at? You could absolutely be paralyzed when you look at that thing which you fear instead of looking at God. Isaiah said here, don't look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. Whew. That's a good verse. Psalm 27, 13. This is another great verse. There's a lot of good verses today. I like this one. Psalm 27, 13. 
We quote this a lot around our house. I would have lost heart. Lost heart. That's, these Egyptians were losing heart. Man, when you lose heart, you're done. You're finished. You're out of the game. It's over. Go home. Pack it up. If you're coaching a team and, they, and you got an opponent come out there, I coach basketball, and sometimes the, the opponent, you know, our tallest player would be six feet. The team comes out, they're all 6'4", six, 6'6". Six, six. What happens? We lose heart. You've got to get your heart back in it. If your heart's there, you're okay. David says, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. But unless I had believed, I would what? See the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some of you here this morning, you're, willing to, you're losing heart. I've got good news for you today. You will see the goodness in the land of the living. You will see the goodness of the Lord in your life. Stand firm. Don't quit. He said, but I, I've been praying for a week. I've been praying for a month. God is not our bellboy in the sky who we just get to text and he has to do it right away, okay? He will come along in his time, in his, at the right place. God will come through for you. Watch him do his work. Watch him bring salvation. Watch him bring a change. Just don't be paralyzed by looking at what you fear. Fear takes a risk. Fear, I mean, faith takes a risk. Fear retreats. Faith is a risk. It's a risk to get married. You do it by faith. I've counseled more than one other one guy, especially guys, more than girls, guys. I don't know why that is, but maybe it's because I counsel guys more than girls. <laughs> Anyhow, but it's like, oh, I don't know. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't have enough money? What if I, what if I, what if I get tempted and fall? Or what if this happens? What if this happens? You know who's bringing all the what ifs? The trapper, Satan. When you go forward and you want to take a step forward, he comes along and he starts whispering the what ifs. Oh, I want to step out and start this company. And he'll come along, but well, what if you don't have any customers? Well, what if you fail? What if this comes back to haunt you? Or what if he's the what ifer? God's saying, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. My right hand will uphold you. You're my child. God's our father. That's good news. Fear is a spiritual force that produces sickness. Faith is a spiritual force that produces wellness. Number two, how to respond with faith. Number two, exercise our authority in the spiritual realm. Yeah. I love, I'm sorry, I'm liking all these verses this morning. Pardon me. But Luke 10, 19 is a great verse. It says, behold, one word, exclamation mark, behold. That means he wants us to what? Hold it. Behold means get a hold of this. So this morning, our Lord says, Coastal Church, get a hold of this. Behold this, all right? You ready? You ready to hold on to this? I have. Is that future tense? No, present tense. Right now, I have. Past tense. He, he has. This is already done. I have what? Given you, David, Cheryl, Tony, Peter, Mary, whatever your name is, I have given you authority and power. Say it with me, authority and power. Okay, now that's going to be important in just a minute. Authority and power to what? 
trample upon serpents and scorpions. I don't know why he uses serpents and scorpions. Sometimes the enemy is symbolic of that. But I'll tell you one thing. A lot of people have a fear of snakes, a fear of scorpions. You can trample over your fears with the authority and power that Jesus Christ has given us. I've given you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. This is the Amplified Bible. Physical and mental strength and ability. Physical and mental strength and ability over what? All the power that the enemy possesses. What does he primarily use? Fear. So you have power over all his fear. And nothing shall in any way harm you. Now notice he has power. Notice you have power. But notice you have something else. You also have authority. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite from. The word authority is the word exousia, where we get exercising authority. If a thief goes into the grocery store and he pulls out a gun and he says, stick him up, I want all the money. He's got what? Dunamis. He's got a bullet in there, dynamite power, right? Stick him up, I want all your money. He's got power. But in walks a police officer. He also has a gun. Dunamis power. He says, stop right there. Now, they both got guns. What's the difference? We'll pretend this is my badge today. <laughs> a little remembrance, Poppy. He said, I've got authority. I'm a police officer. You mess with me, you're going to mess with the government. It says of Jesus, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. You have power, the enemy has power, but if he messes with you, he's messing with Jesus. He's spoiled. You have this authority. He says, I have given you a... He's, Remember the old westerns and the sheriff would take and he'd deputize uh, some, some other people so they could form a posse and go get the bad guys? Jesus deputized you, gave you a badge of authority. When you speak into the spiritual realm, he sees Jesus' authority and he says, I have to back off. So, but if you don't exercise that authority, he'll just hang around. He'll stay there until you do something. And you can be the fine, you can be a Christian that comes to church and sings Amazing Grace and you've memorized the Ten Commandments. But unless you exercise your authority, he won't leave. He'll just trespass. It's illegal, but he trespasses. He'll squat in your house until you drive him out. And you, you've got to tell him to get out. And you, and you have to tell him with confidence and boldness. When fear comes in, it attacks your home, attacks your children, attacks your marriage. You can't pay your bills, and you're afraid, man, we're going to lose our house, we're going to lose this, and fear starts to grip you, and you become paralyzed by it. We have to stand up and say something. In the spiritual realm, say, fear, go. In Jesus' name, get out. You have to break the pattern of it. And one of the best ways to do it is to read the Bible. One of our favorite ways is to take the Bible and read it. I like Psalm 91. It's the 911 chapter. And in your home, you walk the floor and you read it. Fear, I got news for you. You can't live in my home. I won't put up with fear. Fear, you listen to me, get out in Jesus' name. Fear, get out. 
in Jesus' name. And they'll think I'm crazy. Well, just close the doors and close the windows. And So I don't know if I feel comfortable doing that. Well, then just live with your fear. Well, I don't know. That sounds pretty radical. Well, you've got to take radical steps to get rid of fear. Because it's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And unless you want to fight spiritually, it will roll over you and put you in the grave. It will destroy you. You've got to stand up and say something. It is written. i got news for you, fear. It is written. Let me read you God's word. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from every perilous pestilence. He covers me with His feathers and under His wings I take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the air that flies by day or the pestilence that walks in the darkness nor the destructions that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand right hand, but it shall not come near me. And you just read that in your house. It drives every spirit of fear bonkers. It just can't handle it because light dispels darkness. In the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? God's the Word. Jesus is the Word. And the Word became light. The light was a light of men, and the light shone the darkness. Darkness cannot, never will, cannot overpower it. I'm just trying to help you this morning. Don't quit. Just speak it. Be bold. Don't back down. You can either surrender, try to fight on your own mental strength. You'll lose both of those. Or you can stand up and say, by God's strength, he has equipped me with authority. I'm drawing my sword God's word and say, no, fear will not dominate my home, my life, my business. I'm moving forward. We had a, a season in our life, and I'll pick on Chelsea this morning. Uh, <laughs> there was a season in her life where she was, when she was a little girl, she was having bad dreams. And she'd wake up at night and say, mom, mom, and we'd go to her room, and, and she always felt like somebody was in the house. You know, typical dream the kids get the boogeyman's in the house and she was she was afraid somebody was in the house and so we'd pray for her and we would just do just what i said and then about a month later we'd have to do it again and about a month later we have to do it again you can't have any quitting sense you have to just stay persistent and eventually that thing realizes that you're not going to move you're standing you're not going to move and it just feels like okay may as well just move on because they got it you just stand firm in it. Don't quit. So I tried it once, and it came back. Well, just stay persistent. Don't quit. Well, it got on for a little while, and then one night, she says, I had this bad dream, and by this time, I'm just, okay. I was tired, and uh, I know none of you would ever do this, but I was just a little bit wore out, and I, and I went in this. Okay, Chelsea, come with me. I want to show you. Once and for all, there is nobody in the house. So I got her up, and, and uh, I take her downstairs, and uh, she's, she's in her flannel pajamas, and I'm in my tidy whities <laughs> And I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to paint that picture. But uh, I'm, I'm walking downstairs, and I said, I went to one room. See, there's nobody here. I went to another room. I said, see? And there's a lady praying in our living room. <laughs> and Chelsea says, see, I told you, Dad, somebody's in the house. 
I had totally forgotten we had some missionaries staying with us. They were having jet lag, and she got up in the middle of the night to pray. And uh, anyhow, I made a beeline upstairs, and next morning at breakfast, that lady never did show up. She just <laughs> kind of hid out in her room. And The good news is that uh, <laughs> that thing stopped, and uh, she was free from it. Hallelujah. Where are we for time? Number, uh, oh, you know what? Break that thought pattern by speaking God's word. Because most of the fear thoughts just roll around in your head. It's self-talk. You talk to yourself. It just goes round and round and round in your head. If I have these thoughts going round and round in my head, but James comes up and talks to me, those thoughts that are rolling around stop. Because it just kind of interrupts the thoughts that are rolling around in my head. And if you speak God's word out of your mouth, like that Psalm 91, it does the same thing. It stops those thoughts from rolling around in your head. Sometimes you have to even just engage in another conversation or you put on a, some worship or you put on a teaching tape, but it stops those things from rolling around in your head. Don't feed that stuff. Cut it off. Ah, okay. Exercise our authority in the spiritual. Number four, remember God loves us and is with us. This is huge for conquering fear. On two occasions, the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. I'm fully pleased with him. If Jesus needed to hear that, how much more do we? Amen? He needed to hear that God loved him. We need to hear that. For our work, for our ministry, for our families, for what we're doing, we need a constant download. That was a direct download from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what he's saying today to you? You are my beloved son. I'm well pleased with you. You are my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased with you. And I know what we think. We think, oh, no, God can't be pleased with me. That was Jesus. I messed up. He doesn't see you through those eyes. He sees you through Jesus' eyes. And he sees you as a son, as a daughter, as forgiven. He is well pleased with us. He's pleased with you this morning. It took faith to get to church. It took effort to get here this morning. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. God absolutely loves us. That's huge. It's key for living in victory over fear. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, the Lord is on what? My side. My side. Just tap your side this morning. He's on my side. You may not see it, but he's on my side. He's on your side. That means he's pretty close, right? It means he's very close. He's near. He's beside you. The Lord's on my side. I will not, what? Fear. What can man do to me? The fear of man is a serious trap. 1 John 4, 18. Great verse. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Do you dread doing certain things? Dread. It's a cousin of fear. Dread. Sometimes we can slip into the dread mode. I just dread going shopping. I just dread getting on the freeway. I just dread going to work this morning. If you live in that dread mode, it will suck the joy right out of your life. I mean, we have to make a choice to rejoice. Some things that we just dread doing this week, well, I dread doing that. I challenge you to say, no, no, I'm not going to live in the dread mode. I'm going to live in the joy mode. 
I'm going to make a choice to enjoy what I used to dread. I'm going to make a choice to enjoy that. Yeah. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of door and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thoughts of punishment, every trace of terror. I've never gone to a haunted house. It never was my desire. Even when we're in Disneyland, I don't have any desire to go to the haunted house. I've seen pictures of it. But there's nothing in a haunted house or place of terror that represents love. Because if love came into it, the whole thing would collapse. It wrecks everything. Love destroys, ch chases out every form of terror. For fear brings with it, look at this, look at this closely, even underline it. Fear brings with it what? The thought of punishment. Fear starts with thinking. It starts here. It leads to feelings. Then it leads to actions. Then it produces results. It's the reciprocal of faith. It's the counterfeit of what faith does for us. So it's important what we choose to think on because it brings the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. He's not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We're all a work in progress. But the more we study love, the more we focus on God's love, the more we walk in love, the less fear will ever have a grip on our lives. Look at this verse here. Faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. What activates your faith? Love. Let me throw this picture up on the screen. It's a picture of a dam hydroelectric dam. Let me explain how, how power works. How many could love have the power of God in your life? All right, that's some of us. <laughs> okay, here's inside a hydropower plant, and it's uh, from how stuff works. So you can see in the middle of the turbine there, that's your faith. Produces what? See the electrical grid? Power. Power comes out of your life. Dunamis power, exousia power. Power comes out of your life. But our Bible says that if I had love as big to move mountains, I mean, had faith as big to move mountains, but had not love, I have nothing. I'm just a clanging symbol. So if you just have the turbine, but no water to throw through it, how many know you just got a big rusty turbine? So you can have all this faith in the world, but the reservoir, the water, represents the love of God. And when love flows through that turbine of faith, power is produced. This microphone works by a battery. Cars work by gasoline, and faith is energized, operated by love. Because you could have memorized the Bible and you can know all the scriptures, but if you don't walk in love and receive, I'll leave that up for a bit, you don't receive God's love, there's no power in your life. And power, this power is what forces fear to leave your life. These are connected, faith, hope, and love. We need this love. Now, you see that little control gate there? That's a really important piece because if we don't open the control gate, no love flows through it. What's the control gate? That's your volition. That's your choice. You have to make a choice to let love flow through your life. you got to make a choice to let God love you. He loves you, but you got to receive it. When you receive His love, one of the guys said in the baptism yesterday, he said, when I received God's love, whew, wow, 
That's when it changed. I believed, but I had to receive. What's that? That's opening up that gate to let love flow through your life. When it hits the turbines of faith, power is produced. Very important to walk in love to see this power produced. Number four, take action. Then the Lord said to Moses, I love this verse too. I'm liking all these verses this morning. Number four, take action. Are you ready for this? Quit praying. You're reading right. It says quit praying and what? Get the people moving. March forward. You know, sometimes prayer is just a place to hide because we don't want to take a step. Well, I'm just going to pray about that some more. God's already spoken to you. He just wants you to get off your rusty dusty and do something now, okay? No more praying. Just go do it. And sometimes we retreat to fear. We, we sound really spiritual, and as Christians, we use it as our get-out-of-jail card. Oh, we really could use your help around here. Well, I'm praying. Well, we don't need to pray anymore. We need to do something now, okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Amen have left the church. Now, we can go on. Psalm 41, 13. When I'm afraid, I'll put my confidence in God. Yes, I will trust Him. I'll trust the promises of God. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Like a trapeze artist, we have to let go of the past before we can grab onto the future. Let go of security in order to grab onto opportunity. The Israelites preferred the predictable pain of slavery to the uncertainty of the freedom that was ahead of them. They wanted to stay in a trap because they felt safe there. At least they knew what was going on there. Yeah. Exodus 14.22, it says, So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea and the dry, on the dry ground. They moved ahead. Moses put out his rod. They move ahead. They go into the Red Sea, and what happens? They cross the other side. The Egyptians chase them. The waters come back in, and the Egyptian army is destroyed. Man, I wish I had more time. But let me tell you this quick story. Bill Wilson, amazing pastor in New York, Metro Ministries, when he was 14 years old, his mom in Florida put him on a street curb and said, I can't handle it anymore. I'll be back. He waited three days on that street curb for his mom to come back. She never came back. Somebody found him, took care of him, and today he runs probably the largest Sunday school in all of America Thousands and thousands of kids come there. He has a heart for the city like few men I know. One day he's looking out his window and he sees this cat that's trying to sneak up on a bird to catch the bird for lunch. You, you know those old cartoons with uh, Tweety and Sylvester, that kind of thing, right? So he's crouching, he's trying to catch this cat. And he's he just about to jump and the bird flies to freedom. And he has this message that comes to him, a cat can't fly. That bird goes into a dimension that the cat can't go into. And when they went forward by faith, follow me, into that sea and came out the other side, the enemy could not follow them where they were going. And when you walk into love, when you walk into forgiveness, when you walk into, into generosity, your enemy cannot follow you. He gets swallowed up. And when they went there, the enemy was swallowed up. It's a powerful place to live that breaks fear in our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, 
then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.